Welcome to the Food Minded Fellow podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Smith. This week on the podcast, I visited Mermaid Farm. At the farm, they grow a variety of vegetables and raise a variety of animals. But the biggest draw seems to be their dairy. Uh, my name is Jessica Miller, and I, we're at Mermaid Farm and Dairy, where I am the creamery manager and cheese maker. A quick warning to my listeners. This is a pretty wet episode. Jessica was making feta all day when I was there, and there's water dripping pretty much through the whole episode. So if you need to pause and relieve yourself, now's a good time. I grew up here on Martha's Vineyard, just around the corner on Music Street, and grew up um, my, with my father being a food cooker. He wasn't a um, chef, he was a real estate broker and carpenter but he always made us food. We always had real food for breakfast and real food for lunch and real food for dinner. So I grew up caring for and longing for real delicious food. We also tended to eat food that we grew or that he killed or hunted or traded or someone would give him like our neighbor who was a lobsterman would catch a bunch of herring and give my dad the herring row. So we ate a lot of food from this place. Jessica did leave the island for school, but her home was always on the island. I got an actual education, went to college and did all that, but did the Martha's Vineyard thing of working in restaurants in the summer and doing carpentry stuff in the winter. And then I also had been a horseback riding person growing up. And so would do alternate between food and horses. So I had farm experience and animal experience. I first met Jessica when we both worked at 7A Foods in West Tisbury. I was working for 7A Foods and got to know Alan Healy, the owner here, just by waiting on him. Um, and Caitlin and Alan, Caitlin is Alan's wife. They are friends with my a cousin. And so a number of years ago, uh, my cousin said, hey, we're gonna raise meat birds over at Mermaid. They started a co-op style production, sharing responsibilities from farm chores to processing. But got to know those guys a little bit and kind of prove my mettle that in fact I could hang on a farm and not just be glossy counter girl at 7A. Her exceptional work ethic and dedication grabbed the attention of the farm's owner. Alan started asking me, like, you should come work for me. And I was like, I kind of really like my job. I don't, you know, I'm not looking for a job right now. Okay, fine. Hey, you should come work for me. I, I'm still happy at my job. <laughs> so eventually the time came for me to leave 7A and I was going to start my own business. I was kind of in the wind, so to speak. And he asked me again. He said, you should come work with me. And I said, all right, let's have a conversation. Jessica had some reservations. Not the least of which being, at the time, she wasn't a cheesemaker. But they assured her that she could do it. Michelle Tinnen, who'd been the previous cheesemaker creamery manager, she was here for the summer, and so she was training me. And it kind of went from there, and she left that fall, and it's like, here you go, now you make the cheese, and now you're in charge. Though she had had some training, there was still a learning curve. I definitely had to learn on the fly, but all the bones were here. The structure of the farm is already uh, aligned with my feelings and passion about food, and that uh, the way Alan grazes the cows is uh, very intentional. Mermaid Farm grazes their cattle in several different places on the island in an effort to give back to the land instead of taking from it. 
One of the biggest things I love about this job is that I get to make food for the people who live here from the animals that live on this land. So the, and I'm 12th generation Martha's Vineyard. My grandfather and my great grandfather were actually the farm managers of Seven Gates Farm when it was a working farm. Seven Gates is now an exclusive community with large homes on even larger plots of land. So this land is actually really important to me. So, so much has changed, uh, you know, on the vineyard over all the years and development. It's really special to me that I get to now kind of come back to this piece of agriculture and get, you know, cheese is an expression of milk, which is an expression of the cow's diet and health, which is an expression of the land. So I get to take the way back step and bring it all the way to the table. And that's really special to me. <laughs> and people love it, and I love it. And so I get to have access to this beautiful food, and that's really important to me. Jessica was raised in a household that ate local food, food from the island, but not because it was fashionable. It's been interesting for me, because I'm not a young child, I'm not too new to the island, to see how there's been a resurgence of attention to um, quality of food, and not quantity of food, but quality of food, and the whole eating local movement, um, and how that it's kind of fashionable. And that's great. I don't mind that it's a fashion. I think it's good. <laughs> um, but when I was growing up here, that's how we ate. We did eat locally. Although she sees the community moving back towards local food. It's done differently now. So when my grandfather was living here and growing his vegetables and fruit, it was part of the culture. It was part of his culture. And my father followed that culture, and I was raised to follow that culture. And now I work so hard, I don't get to have my own garden because I work all the time, But and gardens are a lot of work. Um, but... I know that my neighbor and friend, Rusty Gordon, is growing a beautiful kale. So I don't have to grow the kale. I can make the cheese, and then I can go buy the kale. These farmers are her neighbors, her friends. And she often finds herself sitting down to a meal that's made almost exclusively with ingredients from Martha's Vineyard. From this island itself, that haven't traveled across from South America on a plane or on a ship. She's grateful to live in a place where this kind of food is accessible. We're really lucky to have access to all that food and to have it not be difficult to get. And yeah, there's a price that we pay for that. Like, we're, you know, I, I get a lot of free stuff because I work here, but I pay for my vegetables and, um, and I don't mind paying that premium because I know the value of that food. I know the person who, who grew it and how they grew it, that I'm supporting their livelihood, that they're using agricultural practices that are better for the land, that it's not gobbling up a whole bunch of fuel to get it to me, and that it's really vibrant because it's fresh. And I feel that in my body and it reflects in my health. She hopes that this fashionable trend of eating local turns into the regular occurrence it once was. Turning our economic attention to smaller producers that are more proximal to the markets is really important. And we. We have a weird situation here in that we are an island, so, you know, that is unique. We have this boundary of water. But everyone should pretend that they're an island. <laughs> you know, these communities that have access to great agricultural property, if they can learn how to 
diversify their agricultural practices and markets to grow all their food. They can. In efforts to produce more food and reduce the impact that they produce on the environment, Mermaid Farm focuses on diversity. Here at Mermaid, we have beef, we have lamb, we have chicken, we have eggs, we have dairy, we have pea shoots and garlic and all sorts of crazy vegetables all from here. And then Dan Sternbach was doing grain from here. So you could make an entire meal if you felt like making your own butter. But if you used olive oil and salt and pepper, you could make everything from this farm. And I actually, I, I do that as a challenge sometimes and it's always delicious. And I, I just think it's awesome. Jessica's focus on the farm is the dairy products. And though I know some about cheese making, I was interested to know how it works on Mermaid Farm. So the cows get milked, as most cows get milked uh, twice a day. Um, they get milked and the milk goes into the bulk tank in the milk room and then gets transferred into the pasteurizer uh, vat in the processing room. From there, the milk is made into either yogurt or a variety of cheeses. Depending on the cheese I'm making, it's either 45 gallons up to 55 gallons at a time. And if it's a raw cheese, it's like a six to seven hour process for the feta, which is a pasteurized cheese. It's a minimum of a nine hour day from start to finish for day one. Every one of their cheeses has at least two days of processing and some have many more. So day one, make the cheese, which is either pasteurizing or not pasteurizing. Uh, culturing, allowing the culture to ripen in the milk for a, you know, a stated amount of time. And then renneting, which is using an enzyme to uh, turn the milk from a liquid state into a gel body state. And then you have a curd, a big curd body. You cut the curd using cheese harps or cheese knives. When I arrived at Mermaid Farm, she was doing exactly that. And then you stir it, and then you drain it, and you drain the curds into different shaped molds, some with cheesecloth, some with not, um, depending on the cheese we're making. And then some cheeses are actually pressed with weight. So for the Nobska, which is our large format Alpine style cheese, the, those wheels end around 20 to 22 pounds. I actually press, press them with tractor weights, so I lift massive tractor weights up on top of them to press them. Then day two, we're measuring the pH to see if they've, if they've acidified to the point where we want them to acidify. And again, that varies depending on the cheese. And then they go out into the cave where we have our saturated brine tank and all the cheeses, with a couple exceptions, um, spend a designated time in the brine tank uh, based on their weight. So. Like for the feta, we want the feta to be uh, in the saturated brine tank for four hours per pound. So the small wheels spend two hours in there. The bigger wheels spend 16 hours in there. Um, and then, depending on the cheese, they either move out of the saturated brine tank and onto racks in the cave where they dry and eventually move onto wooden boards where we age them. Um, or the feta gets stored in buckets in a, a whey-based brine where they can stay for a long time and be hopefully happy and healthy and delicious. Next to the creamery is a cheese cave built into the side of the hill. The raw cheeses that stay in the cave, we do age on wooden boards and they get turned and some of them get just brushed and some of them get washed. 
uh, with a, a salt brine with some wine in it. But none of these processes are as exciting as the blue cheese. The blue cheese actually gets stabbed. It's pretty fun. You stab lots of little holes in the blue cheese to help create little channels for oxygen to be able to get in for the penicillium Ferdi to develop that blue color and that blue flavor. Their feta will probably forever be my favorite. But one of their cheeses really piqued my interest the first time I tasted it. King's Highway, which is our little ash ripe and bloomy rind cheese, that is really complicated. <laughs> it takes like two weeks of every day. It gets this little special touch. And I touch that cheese every day for two weeks before it gets wrapped up. Something happens to it. It gets turned, it gets padded, it gets salted, it gets ashed. It gets... So that's a very labor intensive cheese, but I think well worth it because it's a pretty delicious, special little monster. When working with food that matures at a temperature that might otherwise be considered dangerous for food, it's important to have a plan. And one of the most integral parts of that plan is cleaning. The other thing we do a lot of is cleaning. We do cleaning and cleaning and scrubbing and bleaching and acid washing and scrubbing again. I wash my hands probably literally 700 times every day because every time you touch a door handle or the outside of a bucket that's been outside, you wash your hands, your phone, you touch your phone, you touch, you touch your cup, you wash your hands. You know, it's uh, food safety is paramount and we're on a farm. So it's complicated and we have to pay very close attention to making sure we're providing delicious and safe food. Raising animals and producing dairy presents its own sets of challenges. This business is slightly different from a vegetable business. You know, vegetable farm, you grow the vegetables, you pick the vegetables, you process the vegetables for packaging for sale, and you're done. This business, I'm, I'm const I barely know how this business works because I deal with just this one small section of this business, and it's a lot, just this one section. I'm not farming. I'm getting to take the spoils of the farming and turn them into this great product. While Jessica works in the creamery, Alan and his staff graze cattle and sheep in various places up island. He's moving cows, he's moving fencing, he's bringing water, he's feeding them, all with the idea of having them on the best possible grass as much of the year as possible. There are a lot of operations that go on at Mermaid Farm that are beyond Jessica's scope as the creamery manager. I understand maybe 20% of how this whole place goes down, and I work at least 45 hours a week every week and still never finish everything I should do. But despite all the hard work, there's a general consensus among the staff at Mermaid Farm. We're grateful. We're all grateful. Like, we don't mind working hard and being scattered and exhausted because we get to eat this food. And we get to bring this food to our community. Almost all of the food that's produced at Mermaid Farm stays in the community. And for good reason. It's important to me and it's important to Alan and Caitlin. This food is only on Martha's Vineyard. We do not ship this food. We will not mail cheese to you in New York City or, uh, you know, we have people, we have customers, regular customers who live in Boston who come down for the weekend and buy 12 yogurts to take home with them for their month when they're home. So you're welcome to come to the vineyard and buy it, but we're not going to send it to you. Currently, the market on Martha's Vineyard consumes everything that Mermaid Farm can produce. We don't throw anything away. <laughs> it all gets eaten and bought and used all here on Martha's Vineyard. 
Their production is limited by a number of factors. We have a lot of parameters that box us in. We can't, we can only make as much product as we have milk. And we can only have as much milk as we have healthy cows and land and food. And we're not buying in milk and we're not, we do occasionally buy in cows from off island, but there's only so much milk. <laughs> so when people are like, you're out of, I'm like, yeah, we're out. There's, I can't, I can't make you more. I'm sorry. It's out. Their production is also limited by their low impact farming practices. A lot of what we do, do here is based on human power. It's not mechanized. It's not, we don't have a roller system. It's me and a milk crate, basically, or me and a Kubota wagon, you know, and um, five gallon buckets full of saturated brine weigh over 45 pounds. They're heavy and it's us carrying them. So we can only physically do so much. So that's one of the parameters is the human body. <laughs> And the other is the cows. So we're dealing with very alive. These are, con they're not business constructs. <laughs> they're, they're physical limitations. And we try to respect them because that's, again, like this food is precious. We can't, it's not endless. Like it's important. Their distribution channels are simple. And there's no lack of demand for Jessica's products. I make this food and then I send it off into the world and it, goes off into the world in several ways. One is I deliver it to places. So when we wholesale product to Kronig's, usually yogurt, and then some of our cheeses get wholesaled, I'm the one who actually brings them. So not only do I make the food and clean up after the making of the food, I also drive it around the island. It's one of my, for how I get off the farm. I load yogurt into my truck and drive around. The other way we sell it is directly at our own farm stand. And the farm stand is a, actually a repurposed garden shed from Poly Hill Arboretum that had been recovered and restored. And we use an honor box payment system. So there's a coffee can with small bills and a box, a lock box bolted to the wall for big bills. And you write down what you take and you write the dollar figures. There's an outdated price list on the wall that you can kind of try to decipher. The honor box brings me back to my childhood. We used to buy corn at little roadside stands, leaving our money in a coffee can. But many people are unfamiliar with the idea. One thing that I love about our stand is when new people arrive in the stand who've never been and they're like, what is this place? What's happening here? What are these products? And quite often someone will be in the stand who knows, who is a regular. And they will explain to the new person how to do it. How do you do this? And oh, and that, you should get that. That's really good. Or that, like, you have to try this. Or, um, And so to me, I love seeing that because it's an opportunity for a human to be nice to another human, <laughs> which you don't always see. So it's fun to see someone explaining to being kind, right? So here's a new person, maybe a summer person. And here's a local saying, oh, this is how you do this. You know, we'll help you figure this out. During their peak season, they stock this stand several times a day. I go out in the summertime three or four times a day and see what's selling, and then I bring out more. Um, our main sellers are the yogurt and the lassies, which are yogurt drinks, which fly in the summer. Our people love them and live on them. The first time I ever tried a lassi was on my first trip to India when I was 16. It's a memory I won't soon forget. And it brings me back to that moment when I drink one of the lassies from Mermaid Farm. 
And then the cheeses we cut and we sell in the farm stand. The other way we sell is at farmer's market. And so for me, um, farmer's market is the other way I get off the farm and that's fun for me. And usually my daughter works it with me. So I get off the farm and to spend time with my family who I never see. And there I get to actually uh, kind of showcase the, the aged cheeses, which really are my babies. Yogurt production is a major part of Jessica's job. But for her, the process is almost on autopilot. These aged cheeses allow her to express herself through food. And bringing them to market presents a unique opportunity. For me, as a producer, who's always in a little, you know, 11 by 17 foot concrete make room by myself, talking to myself, it's really fun to get to share share what I've worked so hard on with people and have them be receptive to it. Um, and to be able to answer questions when people say, oh, well, you guys have your own cows? Like, yeah, we do. It's all from here. It's like from right around the corner, like within half a mile. This food that I'm selling you here at this farmer's market was made within a mile of where you are right now. It's, isn't that cool? Mermaid Farm also sells directly to restaurants. And this sometimes brings people to their farm stand. What notable experience I had this summer, which was fun, was someone said, oh, is this the yogurt that they have at Behind the Bookstore? And I said, well, it is, but she does, the chef, Georgia, does treat it in a certain way to make it kind of extra special. She drains a bunch of it so, to thicken it, but then she whips some of the undrained yogurt back in to get that super special texture. And the, the woman, the customer, I was like, well, I'm not going to do that, but I am going to buy it anyhow. Chefs offer her a unique opportunity to see what happens to her food when it leaves her care. It's fun to see the chefs kind of take our basic product and elevate it. It's really fun because when I'm tasting the cheese, I'm just like cutting it or crumbling it and tasting it to make sure it's okay, but not taking it to this next stage as an ingredient. Their high demand and limited production creates an interesting paradigm that most farms don't face. I'm fussy about who I'll sell to, to be honest. I, I really want to work with uh, both retailers whose missions I believe in and who are providing food to not just the summer community, but to the community at large, because we are, we are a big community. And restaurants, I'm pick, not picky, but I'm thoughtful about uh, who I sell to, partially by their, their, how they make food, but also I want, if I'm gonna supply a restaurant, I wanna be able to supply them for a whole season. I don't wanna say like, oh sure, you can have this. Oh, now I'm out. I've known Jessica for several years now, but you don't have to know Jessica long to know that she is a straight shooter and that she cares passionately about what she does. I want to say something about the politics of food, which is I feel like in our current culture where everything is available to us anytime we want it, at any moment we can have any information, any item, any food, that devalues everything. In losing the value of all things, we stop taking responsibility for all things, including our bodies, including our families, including our environments and everything. 
And I feel like that's kind of why I feel like as a culture and maybe as a global race of humans, we've kind of lost our way and we've done a lot of damage to ourselves and to our families and to our planet. And I feel like food is one way that we can kind of rebuild the pathway to responsibility. We do have an opportunity to kind of crack open the vision of our visit, the visitors here. Um, it affords people an opportunity where like maybe they know that connection is there, but they've lost their way. They we've all lost our way a little bit and uh, you know, click Amazon. Oh, I got all my stuff. Who packed that? Who did that? Who, who, who initially made that? Like, what are you going to do with all that packaging that that just came in? What if you go instead to Kronigs and buy that? Well, yes, that came in packaging for Kronigs too, but not the same packaging. And you're supporting the staff of that who are part of your community, whose kids are going to be in school with your kids, whose kids, when they're bigger, might mow your lawn. You know, like we have a community here. And her way of giving back to that community is through food. I love food. Food is how I show love. I cook for people and I make this food for the customers at large with love. It's a love for the people and for the animals, but also for the land. At the heart of it, because I care about where my food comes from, I care about the land where that comes from. I keep going back to this is one very small, not simple, but small and accessible way that individuals can take some responsibility and work on healing a pretty broken system. Jessica is doing her part to connect food and place, a concept that some are unfamiliar with. I feel like by, and I see this primarily at farmer's market when I'm working at farmer's market and people are walking around and it's groovy. They're like, wow, we're cool. Here we are. John Kerry's over there and Lord is over there. Isn't this great? But then they start eating the food and they're like, wow, oh, you make this? And they'll say to my daughter, oh, you make, you make this? Or and she's like, no, my mom makes it. And it's like, oh, where do you make it? Oh, just around the corner. And it's, it's so out of the consciousness of uh, so much of our world to have that direct connection. And I feel like reestablishing that direct connection um, will hopefully help people wake up to the responsibility that we have as consumers on this earth. Jessica's passion shines through in all of the food she makes. And now more than ever, local farmers need your support. Don't forget to be like Jessica. I wash my hands probably literally 700 times every day. Wash your hands and stay safe. To find out more about Jessica Miller and Mermaid Farm, visit my website, foodmindedfellow.com, and search for this episode on the podcast page. While you're there, you can find out more about my private chef services on Martha's Vineyard. Read articles that I've written about cooking and fishing on Martha's Vineyard, as well as check out my merch store. This podcast was funded in part by the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism.